Hello again, world. It's another episode of the Gadget Cast. I am your host, Gregory McFadden, joined always uh, by my favorite podcast co-host, Travis MCP. You're saying you got other ones now? Have yeah, you, you know, there's there was a couple other ones back in my past, but I think I think you're now my favorite. You know, Bro. I gotta I gotta go confirm that. You're killing me on this. Uh, for those of you listening to this, um, <laughs> this is an extra podcast for the week, which is great news. It's fantastic news. For those of you on YouTube, you got two in the same day. It's great news. It's all good news for everyone who's here. Greg, tell them what's going down. So, you know, we found Renee Ritchie. He is safe. He is here. Uh, we're so happy to have you join us, Renee, on the GadgetCast. Um, so, so, so glad for you to make it. Thank you. I'm just so dumb. I really apologize. <laughs> I was apologizing before. I'm Canadian, so I said I have to commit Canadian seppuku now. <laughs> I had my alarm set to Pacific time when I was editing, and I don't look at Twitter when I'm editing. Where I would do is look at Twitter and not edit. So then I, I logged in afterwards, I'm like, oh my god, what have I done? And you guys were nice enough to not only take the hit off me, but invite me back on the show. <laughs> yeah, for, for a little behind the scenes stuff. So we were we were just wrapping up, just doing like our normal shtick on the uh, gadget cast, and then uh, we got the message right right after we were done wrapping up from Renee. And you're like, oh, I guess we'll do it another week. And then Travis was like, I'm free to go. You free to go? I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. We could just do it right now. If he thought now was the original time, why not just get it done? We're, 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 we're I appreciate it. Talk. Thank you so yeah. much. No, we're, we're people already watching. That was quick. Yeah, we're quickest to 100 people. We're extremely glad to have you on the show, Renee. Um, been a fan for a long time. It's kind of it's kind of surreal to be talking to you right now. I've uh, been, <laughs> <laughs> been following you since. You know, oh, way back, uh, I'm more all that stuff. Listen to you on like Mac Break every week. You know, uh, I'm more oh, show, all that stuff. So many places. The talk show with John Gruber. Now you're here on the Gadget Cast. You know, not not oh, thrilled to be here. Yeah, Thank not you. as not as highly rated as a uh, Gruber show, but you know, we'll get there. Now, <laughs> but, but no Gruber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Renee, uh, now that we have you here, I'd like you know, you made quite an interesting move. Uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you have a very long, uh, storied career working all different types of stuff, trying all you know, like a Renaissance man, you know, the Canadian <laughs> Renaissance man, you're, you're, you're going independent now, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah best possible time to do it too. I'm really, <laughs> I'm, really I'm, I'm a canny strategist, I'm a tactician. I really, I read the environment and I said, this is the absolute best time to quit one of the few stable jobs in media and go independent. So I did that. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, um, obviously, before you worked at iMore, you started off, um, yeah. you know, was it last year you started Vector or was it a little earlier than that? It was it was in the HomePod. My first video was the HomePod launch. <laughs> so it was like two years ago. What what a what a what an interesting first video to do, uh, do it on. So, yeah, you you started this YouTube channel, Vector. I thought it was very interesting at yeah. the time. Like I said, I've been following you for so long. So to see you come and do uh, YouTube was certainly interesting. You built that channel up to um, over 100,000 in a very short amount of time. And um, now you're kind of like leaving it all behind to start your own yeah. channel. Uh, it's it's Renee Ritchie, right? Just your name? Yes. Just so people listening. So um, why, so why go independent why, now? Why, right? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why would you do this? How uh, long has this been like, in the working for? It was a long time. Like I've been working at iMore for 11, 12 years and I loved it. It was, it was great. Um, I got to run my own site, you know, and I, we had corporate overlords. So if anything went wrong, there was always people running the CMS and doing everything. And, and I would do videos occasionally, like if there was a, an iPhone review or something, I'd do a video for it. But you know, it's, it was never their priority. Well, I shouldn't say that. 
they 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 like they were they were doing video they were doing mr mobile michael fisher and he's amazing you know like yeah. he's just like top notch um and they tried a few other things but really for the sites they did like for them it's still like you got to put words in google um and i had done that for so long and i didn't think i was going to get any better at it so i wanted to try something new just like a, a new challenge and like i forget where i talked about this before but like movies combine writing and stagecraft and direction and youtube felt the same way i'd done i'd done the writing on the blogs i'd done the podcasting which sort of put words to the writing but youtube was just a whole other level a whole other dimension of storytelling and i just get like i'd watch people like you i'd watch you know people john prosser you know huge influences um i would just i would just look at, the, at how you would craft narratives and stories and inform people and be engaging and i just i really wanted to try it i wanted to try something new and i assumed it would be terrible. Um, and it was like the first videos, I'm very human. It's hard to tell the animatronics, uh, but like the only way to get better is to keep doing it. And after a while, I realized that what I wanted to do wasn't really best for iMore. Like for them, me doing a video about why to buy a Nintendo Switch or which of these three keyboard accessories should you buy and you know stick it on the on-site player. That That's the most valuable video I could do for them, but not for me. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to sort of just rest on my laurels and glide there. But, you know, um, I had, I, so I didn't want to make, I didn't want to do what was worse for them and worse for me. So I figured again, best timing ever, go independent. And at least that way I could still do what I want, but I could feel like I could build some value around it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, learning not to be like an animatronic. I, I still suffer with that. So I, I don't even know what to do with that. I got to take notes from Travis over here. He's Mr. Personality. He got everyone uh into his stuff you know he's we're trying to cancel greg it's just not working <laughs> but it's hard and like the commenters like that, that, like you're you're moving too much you're not moving enough yeah. stop moving your hands oh, why yeah. aren't you moving your hands you're la you're you should laugh your laugh is fake i mean there's like ah oh, like every video there's like i get contradictory advice and i just i know you're just supposed to be you but i, I just want to be better yeah you want to be a better you and yeah, yeah. you're right the co the comments are always like and it's the worst because you'll get both comments. You'll get, hey, you talk too fast. Hey, you talk too slow. Uh, yeah. You know, watch us at 1.5 speed. And it's like, all right, what do I what do? I do? <laughs> yeah. Your so, shirt is ugly. I'm like, really? Yeah. You can't just say, well, you're stupid about the iPhone, <laughs> but your shirt is also ugly. You got to just go straight for the shirt. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know, you kind of talked about this a little bit, but, you know, it, you know you're, you're taking a bit of a risk going uh, independent, right? Um, but why why... YouTube specifically, and do you have other plans to branch out into other uh, mediums that, that we don't know about yet? Yeah, well, um, YouTube is just, what I always liked about you, like on blogs, it was all about time on page, like just the way Google had it incentivized in order to earn page rank, you had to get people onto your page and keep them there for long periods of time. And that would like incentivize people to rewrite other people's blog posts, bury the links, you know, do everything they could. And it was it created a lot of competition because there was like nothing you did could really help somebody else. And there were people like John Gruber and Jim Dalrymple and Jason Snell who were very aggressive about linking out. But that was always the exception, not the rule. And with YouTube, it's like if you or Travis make a video on something and I make a video, maybe I'll be in your sidebar. And then people will watch your video and, or maybe I'd be suggested afterwards and then watch my video. And it raises all of us. It's like we all have an investment in it. And I found like just the YouTube community is so because of that because like yeah you know everybody's competitive in some ways but you also know that you know that helping each other is the best way to get everybody up there's just such a community spirit here and in podcasts it's the same thing like if we all go to ces 
and Travis does a video on this phone and you do a video on this one and I do a video. No podcast, very, very few, I think like Breaker and a couple others, but almost no podcast app will say, oh, you listen to the GadgetCast, you should listen to the iMore show afterwards. And then, oh, there's a great Daring Fireball thing. No, they don't, like it's just, here's the next episode of the same show. So it doesn't grow audience the same way that YouTube does. So for all its flaws, and it is like totally a managed little tiny microverse, it's also an incredible way to to get known and to and to build an audience. And I figured that was just the best way to start over. Nothing else would would nothing else would work. Uh, best I could figure it. Yeah, and and I mean I don't know if I'm uh, reading too much into this. I think you fell a little bit in love with like all like the video production stuff too, because I've seen like you ramp it up like all this stuff, your lighting, your colors. Uh, you got like. Oh my God, the production value in your video uh, videos is pretty like crazy from like where you started and like where you took it. Like it is next level stuff. I fell in with a bad crowd that was really into videos <laughs> and they kept, uh, and, and like I said, I, I, you know, Travis is the B-roll. I'm like the A-roll. That's all I have. You know, I, <laughs> I can't shoot like that super slick Marquez or, or, or Michael Fisher. I, I, I try. I just, it looks dumb. Can't do it. So I so I just figured I'd, I would invest in making the A-roll look just as po as positively good as I could using artificial means beyond myself. And that I thought would at least give me a, like a good foundation to experiment later on. But I, I like I'm careful because you can spend unlimited money on on video gear and especially audio gear. Like I remember Marquez's studio tour and he opens up the closet of red cameras. <laughs> like it's the closet of red cameras. It's like it's a crispy of red. I don't even know what the collective noun is. It's a crispy of, of red cameras. Yeah, and it, like I'm, I'm nowhere near that. You know, my maybe where I live is near that. I'm nowhere near that. So I'm just like I want to get good gear that I can shoot in a way that's forgiving because I still make a lot of mistakes. I still not. I'm not very good at capturing the story I want to capture in the camera. I do a lot of it in editing. So I, if I can shoot like, and I can fix color mistakes, I can fix exposure mistakes. Then yeah. I, I, I start to stress less of it, less about doing it. Yeah, no, video is a whole other, whole other thing. There's so many different things that can go wrong with with all that, and then getting the setup right and consistently is just it's a pain for people who don't do it. But once you hope you you try and improve a little bit every time. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I got a question for Renee sure. actually because um, it comes from a conversation I had with Michael Fisher at CES. Yeah. Um, it was a funny thing though. Uh, he had mentioned being because I think I asked. I always ask all YouTubers. I go. What was like the weirdest time you were recognized? I think it's just a funny, there's always a funny story behind it, right? And um, Michael, for whatever reason, talked about walking down uh, like New York or something with you and someone came and asked for a picture and he goes, sure, no problem. And then he like, when, I think he was like handing the camera to him to take a picture with you or something like that. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> like the guy recognized you but didn't recognize Michael. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it's a good incentive for Michael to do more A-roll. I mean, if nothing else, uh, because he's long since mastered the mastered the B-roll. But you know, it 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 is weird. Like my boss, my previous boss was Crackberry Kevin, and at the height of BlackBerry, he was so fair. Like I would walk down streets with him in the city, and people would just be like, "Kevin," and just yelling at him because he was the face of the Crackberry Nation, and that was the most popular smartphone at the time. For me, like the only thing that was really weird is I was getting on a plane to go to, I think, Macworld a couple, or no, WWC a couple of years ago. And as I was going through like first class to get to my seat at the back of the plane, someone stood up and goes, Renee, I love your show. And then everyone in the plane turned and looked at me expecting like Ron from Friends or something, you know, it's like, and they're like, we have no idea who this is. Why did you say he was on the show? And I was just like, I felt happy. But at the same time, I realized that, you know, it's not at all what people's expectations were. And I just disappointed a hell of a lot of people. 
Maybe they thought it was Renee Zellweger. I don't know. <laughs> they were not expecting me at the end of that. That's awesome. That's great. Oh, man. Oh, man. So uh, you kind of alluded this to before, but you've been you've been on like the Apple beat for a little while. And obviously, I think everyone here uh, has their focus. I know I'm certainly Apple focused and all that stuff, but I think we all share like a common passion for technology, but all that. But but why why choose Apple as a company to cover? So it wasn't so much that I chose it. I um, Back in the day, I was working in product marketing at an enterprise software company, which is absolutely as exciting as you're right now picturing it in your head to be. And uh, I used to listen to the Trio cast with Dieter Bone and Mike Overbo, and they had Trio Central, the website. And I watched the iPhone keynote, the original one with Steve Jobs. And I was just, I had like, I had some Windows mobile device. I had a, an HP Jornada. I had a Palm Trio 680. And I had just never seen anything like that. And I wasn't a Mac or Apple person at all. I had an Xbox. I think the Xbox, I had PCs and Xboxes for years. I was all in on Microsoft. I believed Bill Gates when he said, he was going to have this future technology where everything works together. And like everything he promised that never materialized in 10 years, I believed. I was all in on Microsoft. And I saw that keynote and I couldn't believe it. And then the same company, it was smartphone experts back then. It's Mobile Nations previously. Now it's part of Future. But they opened up an iPhone site called Phone Different. And because I was used to Trio Central, I would go over there. And they stopped putting up articles for a while. And then I noticed Dieter was writing them. And I'm like, why are you writing these? You're the Windows Central guy. What's going on here? Or the Windows experts back then. And then he messaged me and he goes, do you want to write some articles? The guy who was running it just quit to take a really you know, sexy job in network administration for a, for a university. And I'm like, oh, OK. So I wrote some articles. And back then, their sites were set up like you had one site and one personality for each site. So CrackBerry Kevin was for BlackBerry. And I was like, I was supposed to become the CrackBerry Kevin for Apple. And I, I just, I can't, I can't do what Kevin does. He is amazing. He's like super mega excited, eight exclamation marks. Um, I, I can't do that. So I tried my best to do what I could, but my job literally was just being like the, the platform champion for Apple. Yeah. So what, uh, what do you think about all these leaks that have been going on lately? It seems like, uh, first of all, the industry at large is seeing a lot of leaks, but Apple, who has been notoriously good for many years at kind of keeping a lot of the more interesting parts of their products are now seeing massively crazy leaks. John Prosser, as you know, a friend of ours, yeah. even leaked some stuff right before in our last episode to us about the iPhone 12. Showed us a picture of what the iPhone 12 really is going to look like. And it's not like what everything Apple Pro showed. This is another level. Uh, two questions. Number one, what do you think, first of all, about that? And secondarily, good or bad? How do you feel about it? So I like so there. I'll go back a bit. There's like different kinds of leaks. So like there's one set of leaks, which is like they're dumping toxic waste or they're poisoning people. And those are like whistleblower things. And that's hugely important. You know, and I'm, I, I really support that. This kind of stuff, I sort of, and I don't mean this to diminish them in any way. I sort of classify them as spoilers. It's like if somebody gives you the plot for the next Star Wars movie or the next Marvel movie, you can choose to read it. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't go into the movie and say, oh, this is hella boring. No, you read the, you read it. Like you read the, the script, you know what's going to happen. And if you don't want to do that, like there are some people I know who don't watch the trailers even, like they won't watch the new Bond trailer. But yeah, some people do not want anything spoiled. And I think that's fine too. And reporters report. Like the leakers are the people inside the company or inside the supply chain or whatever who are given the information. Those are leakers. Other people are reporters. And that's exactly what a reporter's job is. If there is a certain level of curiosity, like don't go leaking lame stuff, like what, what Bill down the street's having for breakfast. No, Bill has a right to privacy. Nobody cares. But if if like if there is a level of public interest, and there certainly is an Apple, I mean, there's 
most business publications survive off their Apple headlines now. It's a big industry. That that kind of stuff happens. And John has a really, really good source right now. You know, Mark Gurman has had different, like he's had really good sources in the past, still has really good sources on occasion. Um, John Pachowski at uh, previously at Recode, uh, forget where he is now, I think he's at BuzzFeed now, has had really good sources. Ina Freed has had some really good sources. So there are people that get these stories uh, and they publish them and just John is on a tear now. I mean, if they if they find out who's leaking it and they stake him over an ant farm, that may stop tomorrow. Uh, but for right now, he's he's just, he's doing his job and he's on a tear. Have you had um, things leaked that um, were very much well unknown and what, how did you, if you did, like, what was your thought process behind that? So I used to do leaks and I've talked about this with John. I used to do leaks back in the day around the same time Mark Gurman was at nine to five max still. And I, they just stressed me out. Like I, I, I reported on the original iPad mini before it was announced the lightning connector before that was a thing. And those were super stressful because like, even though I vetted it, I checked with multiple sources. I believed I had the story. You never know. And then you're waiting. And in those cases, it wasn't like a month. I, I, I reported these things like three or four months ahead of time. And it's like, you're waiting. And if you're wrong, you feel like an idiot. And, and I don't think like, if you get one thing wrong, everybody gets one thing wrong. Accidents happen. So like if, if John's next story isn't right, or if Gurman's next story isn't right, I could care less. They're still based on their existing record. They're awesome. You know, they're fantastic. So I didn't stress about that, but it's just, and then I, wor I worried about the people involved because I wasn't always sure that they would be able to cover themselves. And I know other people who've had problems with people being found, like uh, German famously leaked the memo of the people being fired because of leaking in previous stuff. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's one level too much for me. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop way before. And to make it more complicated for me, a bunch of people that I were, Apple ended up hiring a bunch of people who worked at iMore. And I never wanted, even if, you know, we never talk about Apple, we're very careful about that. But the assumption is going to be that if I get something from Apple, maybe they told me and I never wanted that to be a concern. So I, I stopped doing it and I, my stress level is so far down now. I'm so happy, but other people are really good at it. They, they obviously German loves it. He's been doing it for a decade. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo has been doing it for a decade, a long time. John is, you know, I, I don't know what John's stress level is right now, but you know, he's having his last video was really fun. <laughs> yeah, so, it's terrible. Trust me, it's terrible. <laughs> so you have to, at the end of the day, you have to, you have to, you know, figure it out for yourself. But uh, if 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 somebody does do this really well, more hats off to them. If they choose it's not for them, you know, huge respect for knowing what you like. Yeah. Um, any anything in those leaks that you find particularly exciting? I know it's it's a ways out, and like you said, you never know if anything's going to come true. But anything you want to see, or on based on these leaks. So I had like, one of the things I don't do leaks now is that I still know a lot of people there. So it's not like, like, like I still have a rough idea what's happening. Mm. Um, so I, I try not to talk about that kind of stuff. I just try to, if people do put out leaks, like if John does, I give my analysis. John is so accurate though. There's really little point in doing analysis. It's not like some leaks are like outlandish um, and you don't want anyone to get burned by them. Because in, in previous years, people have leaked like designs that weren't true and case companies have gone all in on them and lost, you know, tons and tons of money. So you never want to see that happen. But um, I, I'm really, like, there's things that I want Apple to do just personally that even that they may not be doing, but I still want. Like, I really want good Zoom on an iPhone. Like, I think most people, their kids are running, in normal times, their kids are running around on the playground or they're playing sports. And like, you shouldn't have really bad photos of them. You should have really good photos and videos of them. And I think Google's uh, digital technology is really, really good. And Huawei and Samsung's physical periscope cameras are really good. And I'd like to see Apple, that's like one of the big things from DSLRs or from point and shoot cameras, the Zoom that Apple still hasn't addressed. So my needs are sort of like, what do I think real people want to do with their stuff? What still can't they do? 
And those are the things I really want Apple to address. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're definitely in a unique position where, uh, you know, a few people at Apple and stuff like that. And yeah, you don't, you definitely don't want to get people in trouble. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, cause never. yeah, but I, I see what John's going through leaking all this stuff and how stressful it is. And, you know, I've been following this for a while and I, it's, I can't remember someone ever leaking exact like date like this, like that far in advance. And then the day of just the time of the announcement, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Uh, seeing John go through that and his source must be <laughs> up <laughs> high. Yeah. Not uh, even going to speculate. Yeah, exactly. I hope the poor guy, I hope the poor guy's got one of those Harry Potter cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, so, do you have anything else, Travis, before we move on to yeah, more yeah. recent stuff? Real quick, cause I know you're going to get into some Mac yeah. books. Um, iPhone SE, we talked about it on the last episode. Um, I would love your feedback on it. We, we talked about, how it's a big deal. It's not a new deal because they've obviously had an SE before, but it's a big deal when you th think about the last couple of years of iPhones going up in price. And then recently in the last two years, uh, Apple kind of going, hold on, let's go back a little bit with the 10R and then kind of the 11 and stuff like that. Now they've gone way back down and it'll be interesting to see what happens with next year with Samsung and see if they try to follow suit because this year they went the exact opposite direction. I don't know <laughs> what they were thinking. <laughs> What is your thought overall about the importance of the SE, especially considering like economically we're in a weird place and how, where does that put us for the iPhone 12 release where we are economically, we may or may not be completely recovered? Yeah, I think, you know, in some ways we train these companies and, and you know, for a while Apple was like, all right, we'll do a, we'll do a plus, you know, it'll be an extra hundred bucks. And we're like, yeah, we'll buy more of those in the normal version. And they're like, okay, we'll put two cameras on, but it'll be an extra 20 bucks. And we're like, hell yeah, we'll buy more of those than anyone before. And they're like, really, how how far does this go? Because we can bring you uh, like the next the next decade's iPhone a year early. It's expensive because we have really crappy yields right now. And Samsung's being a jerk about how much they charge us for those panels. But but we can do it. I use dirt and we're like, we're, we're giving you every indication. Feed us. And then they're like a thousand dollar phone. Boom. Um, and we're and, you know, at, at first it was like, OK, because it really was like futuristic and even though it had a notch, it's like we've never seen a notch before as so we're trying to make up our minds about it. And then the next year, it's like, all right, we're going to make a bigger one of those. How about another 100 bucks? And we're like, okay, this feels weird now because it feels like that's the normal iPhone. Before, it was like a special thing, like a, like like the Terminator from the future. And now it just feels like you're making that normal. And the, the 10R is under that. And I don't want to be the under that person, you know. Ah, and then, like, they didn't sell as many. I think they learned from that that, you know, you – you you can push the boundaries, but you have to you have to equally satisfy the lower price tiers. And they did it so well with the iPad. Like the low the low priced iPad has been just a killer deal, like three twenty nine for years, and they keep making it better. And they were missing that with the iPhone for a couple of years. And then I think this year they've done everything right. The iPhone eleven is six ninety nine again. It's like no like, like you feel like you're getting the iPhone. If you want to go get the Pro, that's fine. You know, a weird flex, buddy, but okay, go get the pro. But you like the iPhone 11 is a great phone. And then, yeah, there's a couple models on top of that. And now they're bringing in the 399 SE. And that feels like the the, the Apple Watch 3 and the, the low price iPad where, okay, we're, we're going to let you flex on the top because you're really satisfying us on the bottom. I don't feel like a second class. Like you don't make me feel like a rookie just because I'm buying the other iPhone. And so much of this has to do with feeling. It seems weird. Like the price... The prices could be the same on this on the spreadsheet, 
but it's just how they're all positioned and marketed can make it feel like, oh, they're taking advantage of us or, oh, okay, they're giving me something that I really want. So I, I think they fixed a lot of problems this year. Yeah. Do you think this will continue on? Because when the 5C happened, it happened one time. And then the SE happened and it happened one time. Like, is this going to be a norm for them? Or is it going to be this, let's do it once and then in a couple of years, maybe we'll do it again? I think the 5C was the wrong compromise. It compromised on the processor. It comp like it, it just, it wasn't the best experience. It was basically because the 5 was too expensive to make at the price they wanted to make it. So they wrapped it up in the candy colored shell. But, you know, and, and kept it around an extra year anyway. But the SE, I think, makes the right kind of compromises. And it, they've got, and I forget if it was Gruber who said this first, but they've got like this leap year thing going on with it, where um, the problem, like the problem the SE fixed for them is people didn't like the big, some people didn't like the bigger phones. They didn't like the higher price tags, um, but they wanted first class features. And the SE solved that. And now this SE is doing the same thing. It's like, uh, you know, I want my home button still in touch ID. I have no patience for this face ID stuff. And, you know, I just want that home button. But also, I'm not going to pay 700 bucks for an iPhone. So this is 400 bucks. That's great. And you know, I want the latest processor because I'm gaming and I want to be able. I'm going to keep this for four years. So I think they don't have to do it every year because it's going to take four years to age out, and there will be other phones in between. I would love to see this on a two-year cadence. I think that would be ideal. But if they keep going, the iPhone 12 with the A16 will be available in four years from now, and they'll just rinse and repeat that pattern yeah <clears throat> yeah the the lineup is starting to make a lot more sense across like the entire product line it's looking like and i'm travis and i were talking about this before um especially now with the se out it's almost like the completion of a cycle you can you know before the uh to get into the apple ecosystem it was always seen as like this like really expensive endeavor uh go buy a thousand dollar iphone go get this four hundred dollar apple watch yeah. you know five hundred dollar plus ipad and then you know the cheapest mac the, yeah the cheapest mac at the time was like what like 1300 uh yeah. so but now it, they're they're fixing that everywhere it's uh a four hundred dollar iphone se the series three which is still excellent two hundred dollars yep. Um, AirPods, John was just on before telling us that, you know, they might even get cheaper with another cheaper version of those, but even the regular AirPods and you're looking at this, you can get like this whole package, the $329 iPad, which I think is like yeah. probably like the best value in, in all of tech for my, for my yeah. opinion, for what you could do with that device. You can get into this entire ecosystem for maybe a thousand dollars. If, if you're, you know, if you're not going for the MacBook Air, but even there, now we got finally the $999 MacBook Air is back. That's one of the things I'm so happy about because, and, I, and I've heard you talk about this before too. It's, it was hard to recommend those previous generation MacBook Airs. They weren't bad computers. The, you know, keyboard aside, if it worked, I, uh, again, I know your opinion on this. I like the butterfly keyboard too. I had no issue with the travel. Uh, I, have, I have a 2016 MacBook Pro. No, no problem. Used it for like four years. Never, no stuck, no repeating keys, anything like that. But you can't deny people's experiences with that keyboard. There was, there was issues with it for sure. And half the people just didn't like it. So, um, but, but they came back, they got the 999 Air out. Uh, they got the keyboard fixed in it. And, you know, they doubled the base storage. It, it, you know, the i3, you know, may, like, again, maybe get the i5 for, you know, $100 extra if you can. But even then, I think like most light users, they can get by with that, right? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the issue for everybody is that Apple is the only one who makes Apple stuff. So like if you're hooked on Mac OS or hooked on iOS, 
It's not like Android or Windows where, oh, I hate Dell. I'm going to go buy HP. Oh, HP is terrible. I'm going to go buy Lenovo. Like you, you just can't do that. So I think that puts immense responsibility on Apple's shoulders to make sure that their products appeal to the widest range of people possible. And e even if if 50% of the people like the keyboard, that's not acceptable. Like it, it has to be like 80% of people. Nobody can hate it. Like nobody can hate anything that Apple does because they have no alternative. You can try and Hackintosh, uh, ThinkPad for all the good it's going to do you. But you know, Apple's responsibility, if Apple is going to have the kind of ecosystem, the kind of offering that they have, it's their obligation to make sure those customers are happy. And I think, again, like the, the Mac is a different story, but the same year they've come back with the Mac Pro, they've come back with the MacBook Pro, they've come back with the MacBook Air, and they have a really solid lineup again. And I'm just, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this continues. Now, let me take a short break to talk about our sponsor of this episode of GadgetCast, Clean My Mac X, the all-in-one package to clean your Mac and make it run like it did on day one. Clean My Mac X is a great tool for all Mac users out there. It replaces dozens of optimization tools for your Mac. With Clean My Mac X, you can locate and remove years worth of system junk, ransomware, malware, and adware. It does this all by scanning your Mac's entire operating system with just one button. After that, you can see all the apps on your system and locate system junk and caches that take up precious space on your hard drive. You can even get an intuitive menu bar widget which gives you a full overview of your system like hard drive, memory, battery, CPU, and network usage, and optimizes everything from the menu bar itself. Best of all, GadgetCast listeners can get Clean My Mac X by using the promo code GadgetCast for a special discounted price. So check out the link in the show notes or go to macpaw.com slash podcast to get this special discount. And thank you so much to Clean My Mac X for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, so many leaks on the show. Uh, 14 inch MacBook Pro is supposed to be coming out soon. Yeah. I hope they put, I'm hope, I hope now that the air is fixed, they can let that be a little heavier, a little more powerful, even in that uh, lineup, considering they got, they got more powerful options in the air now where people can, uh, before they go, well, you know, I just need a little bit more power. So I have to go for the 13 inch uh, MacBook Pro, uh, but I hope they can let the, the pro be the pro now. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> well, I mean, they had a different, like they had, their issue, uh, I think like the direction, the reason they went wrong is that they saw what was happening with the Air and with the iPad and that people, they were getting this huge mainstream customer base. They were always a niche computer supplier before that, mostly creative types, publishers, people in graphics, all, all those kinds of things. But they, because of the iPhone and later because of the iPad, they started getting mass mainstream appeal. And the mainstream people, they tend to like lighter, thinner, sleeker, more like they these these MacBooks that they made in 2016, they sold like hotcakes. Like people forget they they were the most. They think oh people just buy no. They were the most popular MacBook Pros ever, and because a lot of people who didn't previously buy Pros were buying them, I always thought the problem wasn't that they made those Pros. It's that they made those Pros. They made a model underneath it for MacBook Air owners, but they never made a model on top of it that was that heavier MacBook you're talking about that had, you know, I I am a traditional Pro. I don't like those other pros. They're not real pros to me. I want like a real beefy, heavy fan graphics card. Like if they'd made that as well, I think it would have taken a whole lot of pressure off of that product line. Yeah. And it's and and we're seeing uh, them fill those gaps even now. Uh, obviously, the Mac Pro was in limbo for a long time. They yeah. got that. You can get the you can get the what six hundred dollar wheels if you want them. They they got all the stuff for the pros <laughs> now. 
I want to make a go kart out of that so badly. Yeah, exactly. We got we got to do a collaboration. Do a do it yourself uh, go kart. Get all the oh, get God, all the wheels. get Marquez yeah. on it. Get Viper uh, strolling down a hill on it. We'll get that going. <laughs> we'll just be drinking Starbucks, shaking his hand. Yeah, exactly. Fly exactly. by on your scooter. Yeah, but uh, you know, you got the 16-inch MacBook Pro, which I use. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic machine. It Same. fixes a lot of the problems. There's still some short sights, but it's a it's a it's a way better machine than the 15 inch in my opinion. And, um, but it's, it's an interesting conversation too, at the same time, uh, because I think a lot of people are still upset with the air and it's not even that it's, it's not even Apple's fault at this point. It's, it's kind of Intel's, um, with, with their chip architecture. People just want the ARM MacBook, and we see yeah. how powerful these iPad pros are. And it's, it's not like, like I said, like I, I recommend the air for anyone who wants like a, an affordable MacBook. But at the same time, you look at, you look at the iPad Pro and you're like, if they could just put that in there, we're on a whole different level. Then all of a sudden you're you're a pro again with this machine. You're you're crunching through like 4K video, like no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, I even AMD at this point, like if there's not a short term arm strategy. And I only say that like every uh, I think both John and Gurman uh, today or the last couple of days said that our MacBooks are on schedule. But that's been true for a decade. Like I know people used to work at Apple a decade ago and they had our MacBooks in their closet. Um, just because they, you know, why not? Apple is, has so much money. They can literally prototype anything that any blogger or YouTuber or anybody can come up with. It's just like, yeah, scratch off 10 of those. We'll see if they're in it. No, not good. Use them as coasters. That's fine. Um, that's just the way that they roll. So they've had it. And Intel is just, like you said, struggling. AMD is doing so well right now. And it's hard because it, it will be difficult to transition for some people, like the people who are used to running parallels or boot camp or, uh, are really invested in the big apps that like Photoshop and Final Cut that haven't been transitioned to ARM yet, like at all. Uh, there's Photoshop or ARM, but it's nowhere nearly Photoshop. It's like a subsection of Photoshop. So it, it'll be a painful uh, PowerPC to Intel style transition. And maybe AMD will, will serve a lot of those needs for a couple of years while they're doing that. I don't know. But the Intel thing really is like hard. Yeah. At this point. Real quick, I want to get this uh, question from the chat. I'm ready. Do you think Apple will or would or will allude to the delays at WWDC without mentioning specific devices? So they just traditionally, they don't consider anything they haven't announced delayed. Like they will tell like when the HomePod was delayed, that was delayed. When AirPower was delayed and canceled, that was delayed and canceled. And, you know, and they feel terrible about that kind of stuff, which is why they don't pre-announce things. Other companies will pre-announce things like years in advance and never do them. Apple's really careful about that. So I think they might talk about the challenges that's faced with uh, COVID and with, with the supply chain and with everything, and that maybe it's, you know, it's messing with their schedule. But I don't think they'll say that anything is delayed unless they announced it and weren't, weren't able to ship it. They'll just say they're coming. It's all about the language. You know, they'll just say it's coming out later than expected or as we adjust or as our new schedule rolls out or we have plenty of great and exciting products coming your way in the next year. Yeah. Very true. What is, what is the thing you're looking forward to most this year? I mean, there's not a lot left. Um, and again, I would argue that some of that stuff could probably be held off. Oh, before I get into that, I do want to ask this question because I don't want to forget this. I almost forgot it. Uh, iPad. So iPad Pro yeah. is something that I use to edit all my videos on. I love the iPad Pro. I'm a big kind of proponent of it. I don't like what they did with the iPad Pro this year. I, I feel like they they let me down. I waited two years for what I would consider to be an upgrade. I didn't get one. However, having said that, still a powerful piece of hardware could easily slip into the beginner stages of a laptop for Apple. The yeah. one thing that's been holding them back is um, the ability to run some of the more Macintosh oriented software, which as John told us in last week's show, 
is perhaps a possibility. What do you think about the iPad Pro being the first line of laptops? Is that something you think Apple would ever do or is there reasons they would or would not do that? I could see it being a developer device. If they do announce ARM laptops, they could say, you know, you can download the developer kit and use your iPad Pro with a magic keyboard to prototype or to transition your apps now. I think, you know, they, they have a huge philosophical divide still in Apple about the iPad being the computer for everybody and other people saying it's so powerful, you should let people do more with it. Right now, the biggest um, problem, if you want to call it a problem in terms of those kind of apps is RAM. Like you look at a basic MacBook comes with eight gigabytes, goes to 12 gigabytes. Mac, the Mac Pro goes to, I don't know, to control a byte. Like just so you could just throw RAM at that thing. And the iPads, even this latest update stops at six gigabytes. And that's fine for most things not fine for for like full Photoshop, not fine for Final Cut. I'm not sure what the Xcode hard limit is, but people would probably want more. They want to run virtual machines to, to simulate the different devices, all those sorts of things. So I think the biggest indicator of Apple, you know, bringing the, the iPad more into the Mac territory would be when they start really beefing up the RAM limits in them. And like this year's model, I, I think really was just a developer version. It was just because they need LiDAR apps. If they launch the iPhone in September without LiDAR apps, it's a it's a headline. Like it's it's something everyone's going to talk about. If they launch the iPad with it and there's no LiDAR apps, it's like oh, it's a geeky little iPad for the geeky little nerds. You know, uh, it gives them six months of those apps being made, basically. And I, I like I joke that they should have called it Developer Edition, and I think they actually would have sold more because it sounds like a cool name, and then people wouldn't have had an expectation for it to be like this massive upgrade. It's like here's the iPad Developer Edition with LiDAR. Let's see what you guys can make with it. With a better set expectation. That's actually brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I wonder. I mean, I don't. I don't even know. But I almost wonder if they, if you know, they had all those production issues in China. I'm, I'm almost like a conspiracy theorist in regard to that maybe they just couldn't get the, the fabs for the A13X or whatever running in time and all that stuff. I don't really know, but it, it is, it is strange to me that it did launch with the same chip. But we've been, we've been so conditioned of. Apple always updates the chips in them. You come to expect it. And like Travis said, it's not like anything's wrong with it. You use this thing like every day and it's like this thing's so fast and smooth. And it's like, it's kind of like complaining. You know, everyone every year, a new iPhone comes out. And the first thing you hear is, oh, they don't need that powerful chip inside of it. The first time they release a new iPad Pro without the a new powerful chip inside of it, everyone yep. goes, why isn't there a more powerful chip inside of it? Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good theory because yeah. there everything is subservient to the iPhone. Like every software team, every hardware team, and if they need capacity to make sure the iPhone is done, they're going to do that. And everything else has to take a backseat to it, including whatever silicon. And it could just be the silicon teams. Like, why is there no portrait mode on this iPad? Yeah. And I'm willing to bet it's because that camera team is working on the iPhone 12 camera. And I'm willing to bet the silicon team is working on the iPhone 12 team. And those band, like their teams are still small and that bandwidth is still limited. And they put all of it behind the iPhone and then it typically trickles down. And like there's other like other like like it's it's got Wi-Fi six which is great. Five G is not coming till at least September, so it's sort of the iPad they could make instead of the iPad some people yeah, wanted to and, make. And that and that's how I totally take it, and, and that's that's what I said in my review. It's like if you have the 2018, you know, skip this one. You know, don't you'll yeah. feel great that you have a great machine that's you know. And that's what they expect. Yeah, they expect exactly. you to buy every four to five years. They're no, they they actually they they know that only the geeks will buy it every yeah. year, and they're like, okay. <laughs> fine, you guys have to buy it every year, that's fine. Most people buy it every four years, so that's what we're. Yeah, and their big thing is they still update the stuff because like, let's say, say like you don't have to make a new iPhone every year. Sure, but let's say you didn't buy this year and you wanna buy next year and it's a one-year-old iPhone, you get less useful life out of it. If it's a two-year-old iPad and you buy in two years, that's a two years less life. So they want 
to, they want modern versions there. So whatever year you choose to buy, it'll be as useful for you as long as possible. Because everyone's here is everyone's buying here is different. Yeah, it's, and it's it's a better value for people who are just jumping in today. It's it's more. It would be more of a shame if they just kept the 2018 going until they had the next one out. Because yeah. they even updated the storage on it. You got 128 now in the base, and uh, you know some more RAM, the lidar, whatever. But it's 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 just more value. Same more price, value, same yeah. dollars you pay last year. More more stuff for that same value. Yeah, exactly. But let's it, take a look at some of the questions real quick from okay, Chai. Sure. I want to make sure we don't miss these. Uh, Tech for your needs asks, what about how about the MacBook Pro 13 becoming the 14? Yeah, I really hope so. They did that with the 16 inch. I think it turned out really well. It's not the redesign we're all waiting for. The one that has, you know, like the like declares full on war on the bezels. No. Uh, but we're gonna, but it's it's going to be an interim step before they switch the the processor platform. I think. And then also modern day tech. Did I miss any talk about air tags at WWDC? Air tags. What are your thoughts on air tags? I really like the idea. I've been waiting them for a while. I thought they would be the AirPods to the iPhone 11, and then they weren't ready yet. So. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I think those need an event like the iPad Pro, the MacBook Air, even the iPhone SE. We know what those are. Like most people are familiar with those general platforms. So just getting better versions of those are fine. They still want to give a story for it. But I think something like AirTags are brand new and they're going to want to explain. And people are going to say, like, even though tiles existed for years, even though like phones are going to say, oh, people are going to use these to stock other people. Apple's enabling stocking. And they're going to want to get like ahead of stuff like that because like you know like every time apple puts out facetime everyone wants everyone like tries to test it three years later someone else puts on the phone people don't even look at it. even if it unlocks with a plant like remember lou was unlocking this phone with his own video oh like, yeah, yeah. Not, nobody cares at that point but the first time apple does it it's gonna it's gonna be a huge headline so they're gonna want to get in front of it as much as possible oh, Wait, you can imagine you can imagine the lou video if it was the iphone on <laughs> <laughs> We actually oh, yeah. kind of answered this in the last episode. How about the new rumored iPad uh, AirPods come out next month? Are they going to be like the Beats X? Do you think we, from what John told us in the last episode, they're actually going to be less expensive. So I would guess probably not. It sounds like from what John believes, they're going to be, you, you never want to say budget when you talk about Apple, but less expensive. <laughs> less expensive. Than <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One more here. Well, people got really upset because the AirPods were expensive, but they weren't paying for the audio quality. They were paying for those custom chips, and those custom chips have now they run out. The yields are much higher, the cost is much lower, and they can make them cheaper. I really like the HomePod. Do you think Apple will release a less expensive or more expensive version of HomePod? Uh, John talked about the iPod Air HomePod Mini. What do you think? Yeah, I like the idea of that too. Like you know, the the um, the fields are strewn with the bodies of of analysts who have predicted Apple would make netbooks. And all sorts of cheap things that Apple never made because they don't they don't want to make cheap things they want to make good things. But I think I think they misjudged the market with the HomePod. They were working on it for seven six or seven years, and they just wanted to make a really good speaker, and it was convenient for them to make Siri control it. Meanwhile, all these smart speakers came out where the speaker was rather secondary, and people just wanted the assistant. And so Apple launched a really good speaker in the commodity assistant market, and you know that happens. But I think if they can address that and they can make a good speaker. It's smaller that you can put in your kids' room that you could back in the day you could travel with you could do all these other things with. I think that's a, that's a good market for them to be in. I look at it more like the iPod market where they can have an iPod Classic but also a Nano and a Shuffle. I, I want I want like a I want a bigger HomePod and I want to like hook it up to my TV. <laughs> like yeah. I want like some physical port connection. So Home I'm on the other or, side or, of the fence. Yeah. Theater pod. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, thank you. Will we thank ever see an iPad Mini Pro? 
That would be awesome. <laughs> I don't. I just want to see the keyboard. I want to see if Apple can make a keyboard for that sucker, <laughs> like just a tiny, tiny smart keyboard. Because all the Steve Jobs things about filing down your fingers would come back to haunt them. So I just want to see if they <laughs> oh, can make man. that key. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I think I think the I think the mini uh, might be as pro as you got it with the Apple pencil. <laughs> maybe maybe a full like a uh, bezelless design, but even then, who knows? Well, it should get the, the next pencil eventually. Like if they update it next year, that's, yeah, it, that's what hopefully I would Hopefully, it'll really get the like new pencil see. and that'll update the design. I'd love to see that. So, Renee, real quick before we start to wrap this thing up, uh, as I was saying, the, of the things that are left for Apple to potentially release this year, is there anything you're really excited about? Yeah, I would like, well, and this is really personal, and everyone else is going to go, well, well Greg's going to be with me on this, but everyone else is going to just yawn. I want a 10th generation Intel MacBook, like a 16 inch MacBook Pro, because I just think Intel's finally getting their chipsets. They're not, they're not caught up yet, but they're not like embarrassingly behind. And I think th that would do a lot to address, like, because people are still upset about the sustained turbo speeds. Even, even after Intel's explained what that means, getting smaller chips in there would be better. Getting Wi-Fi 6 in there would be better. So I'm looking forward to a 10th generation 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro. Um, and then the iPhone. The iPhone is always like the like uh, Christmas and Hanukkah in September for me. And even if it's October or November this year, I just want to see what they're going to do. I want to see what they what what they're thinking. Like not like, like the slopey is not so much, but I just want to know what they think. Uh, people are gonna people are gonna want like what what problems can they still fix? Uh, like obviously, it's not going to pour latte or or beer out of the lightning port anytime soon. But what like other what, what sort of other things can they do with it? And I'm really hoping the camera steps up. And I want to see something compelling for lidar because, you know, Samsung has done um, stuff like this before, and it was like paint your face, and nobody did that. Like nobody used it. Nobody's really given us a compelling use case for it. And I want to see if they can. Maybe they can't, but I really want to see them try. So um, re real quick, I know we're trying to wrap up, but uh, I, I did mean to ask this and I forgot from uh, Patrick. What are your thoughts on the uh, new iPad Pro Magic Keyboard? Obviously, I don't I don't know if you have it yet. Maybe you do. But what, what are your initial thoughts on just the device itself and how it operates? So I was uh, I was surprised at the price tag. Maybe I shouldn't have been. I didn't think it would be that expensive. <laughs> yeah. And I think like the best way to look at it is it's not like a folio. Like I think some people are expecting like a better version of the folio. But to me, it feels and looks like a dock. Like when you watch like that video of Craig, he comes and he slaps that sucker down and he pulled and it does not move and he puts the iPad on it and it does not move. And that suggests like really heavy. Uh, and we saw from, I think there was one of the, one of the sites put up a uh, Amazon or somebody put up a, a weight for it. And that, that thing is going to be heavy. So for me, it's like, it, it could be the worst or the best of both worlds. And I'm not sure yet. Best of both worlds. You have a killer laptop like setup where you just come slap your iPad down you're not carrying this huge case around with you all the time. You're just typing things out. And then when you're done, you pick it up and it's this light, incredibly thin, really easy to use tablet. And that's sort of what the Surface never nailed for me. Like they really got the laptop part right, but their tablet just never got there. And Apple really had the tablet part, but the laptop part was kind of like, eh, okay, I got to reach up and fiddle with the screen again. So if they do it right, I think it's going to be fantastic, but it is a big, heavy, expensive accessory, yeah. uh, and that could go wrong. So yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see what people think of it. Yeah, you can you can get you can get an iPad for the uh, price of twelve point nine inch yeah, one. So yeah, it's another uh, iPad. What we're we're gonna know soon, right? They're shipping out this yeah. week, so we're gonna know very soon uh, all and about people, that. Like they're on YouTube. In yeah, exactly. And English, some people got them early. Or or figured out how to get them early. You know, I don't know. You know, I I was uh. It's funny because uh. You know. 
I was listening to John, 11 a.m. I was ready for that SE to get that pre-order going. And I was refreshing the newsroom website, just waiting for it. The first thing that shows up, new Magic Keyboard. And I'm like, wait, oh, it's ready to ship now. It's ready to ship now. Let me go put my order in right now. I'm I'm telling you, I'm the first one on the planet who ordered that thing. Nice. So, but yeah, Renee, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, so, oh, thank you, know, you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a blast. Always enjoy listening to you. This is this is one of the episodes where Renee's so smart. I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to everything Renee said so I can actually process it. Because in the moment, I'm don't. To... It's all garbage. You'll find <laughs> out. It's like the wizard behind the curtain. It's just he said a bunch of words like salad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you're if you're not already subscribed to Renee, I hope you are. Go on to uh, Renee Ritchie on YouTube. You're already at over fifty thousand. Just starting fresh again. It's so nice to see you jump back into those numbers because when you because when you restart it i'm just like i really hope he just gets right yeah, back cricket. up to that where was he was thing, like cricket right you got it chirp, chirp, chirp. Now, now did you get to keep the silver play button or do you have to send that back to uh they haven't asked <laughs> <laughs> well you're not gonna, we're gonna tell them we're gonna cut we're gonna cut no. that out uh we'll cut that part out we'll edit that out any, any uh <laughs> Anywhere else, Renee Ritchie on Twitter, right? Every everything's yeah, Renee yeah, Ritchie absolutely. now, right? <laughs> I'm not very creative. I just use my name. So back in the day, I started off on CompuServe, and you had a number, and like that's it. From now on, I'm always going to use my name because I never want to ever say anything on the internet that I won't put my name on. And then that kind of stuck yeah. with me, and I've 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 just kept that same boring username everywhere. Yes, and and because you are listening to this on a podcast, your your episodes also go up on podcasts, right? So Renee Ritchie for the podcast yeah. as well. So you yeah. can subscribe there. Follow Renee. Subscribe to him on YouTube. We need to see him at like a hundred thousand by the end of this month, I think. Yeah. Oh, we got we got we got to see the second silver play button just come in. You know, uh, yeah, we got to get that pulled together. You gonna so, get a tinfoil one at fifty? I mean, come on, YouTube. <laughs> what are you spending all that money on? We'll have to have Viper do the unboxing for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> don't you imagine that he secretly has like these giant swords that he's unboxing things with but he won't do it on camera it's like he's got like katana and like shaolin swords viper's the dude man. I, I feel I like know. viper just stares at the box and it just like opens up right away exactly exactly that's awesome. Well, yeah, we definitely thank Renee. For people that are in the live stream, of course, we do a quick uh, after show. Uh, probably not as long as last time, but we'll do a quick one for you guys because we know we love uh, all the people that are here for the live stream. For those of you on the audio podcast, check the show notes for all the information. Of course, check it out on youtube.com slash gadgetcast. We are here every single week doing crazy stuff. Hopefully you enjoyed it this time. We definitely appreciate Renee Richie. Make sure you check him out. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. He's I'm wait, I'm Travis. He's Greg. <laughs> And the other guy's Renee. We'll see you next week. <laughs>